You're listening to Two Pauls and a Pod Podcast. Welcome. I am Paul Merriman. And I'm Paul Reed. In today's episode, we're going to talk about mortgages. So it's mortgages for first-time buyers here, Paul, is it? Yeah, exactly. We're going to talk about first-time buyers only. Uh, we will discuss switching your mortgage and uh, trading up for a second um, mortgage uh, in a later episode. But today, let's stick to first-time buyers to make it very, very clean uh, and precise. Don't want to be chopping and changing. Yeah. I think people get confused. Yeah, definitely. I do, for yeah. sure. I mean, I get confused about most uh, financial things. That's why I'm here to ask the questions of the people. Um, and this makes me nervous also with the, the mortgage because there's so much involved, at, at least it seems from the outside. There is. And it seems complicated. Um, yeah. But hopefully we'll be able to uh, kind of make that a bit clearer for people today. Yeah, that's the that's the whole idea, especially around this podcast, because a mortgage is such a an emotional thing for somebody to get involved in. I think when people, whether you're single or in a relationship, you go looking for a house, you go looking for a mortgage, you should actually go looking for the mortgage first. Let's get that out of the way. Before you look at any property, don't go on daft.ie, myhome.ie. It's so tempting to go. That's the kind of house you want. Don't do it. Just go get how much you can borrow from the bank, get your approval, and then go and look because you're going to you have your, your price range. You're going to have your head melted. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what you do first of all. But I think it's so emotional. And as well as that, when people are looking at houses, they're imagining maybe if they're not married already, maybe getting engaged in that house, maybe having kids in that house, uh, growing a family in that house and making a house a home. Um, and the mortgage process, if not done correctly, will absolutely melt your brain <laughs> for yeah. probably six months to a year. Uh, so you want to make it as simple as possible. And believe me, it can be so simple um, once the planning is right. Uh, you know, I always talk about planning when it comes to finances and yeah. financial planning. There's nothing as big as a mortgage. It's the biggest financial decision you're ever going to make. You need to give it the time and plan it and get somebody in your corner uh, that's going to look after you. That's brilliant. And it's the kind of thing where, yeah, as you say, it's the biggest financial uh, thing you're going to do in your life. It's 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 makes it big and kind of scary to some people, particularly if, they, if they're not into their finance or business or they haven't got stuff in, in line. Um, but which leads me on to kind of ask uh, from the start, how do you get mortgage ready? How do you, that phrase is... is okay, uh, right. So let, let, let's talk about getting mortgage ready. So to be mortgage ready, the only thing a bank cares about is, well, there's a couple of things. The main thing is your affordability. Can you afford the mortgage? Yeah. Okay. So what you're probably going to have to start off with is meeting a mortgage advisor. So we would sit down with clients all the time. And the first thing we assess is how much they can borrow and how much the repayment's going to be. Okay. okay? So let's say you're coming in and you're looking for argument's sake for a mortgage of whatever, 350,000 euro, for an example. 350,000 euro uh, at an interest rate of 3%. We'll get into rates later on, but yeah. just let's go with this. Um, and over a 30-year term, um, again, we'll talk about terms later on as well, will cost you about 1,500 quid a month, Paul. Okay? okay. And that's based on 3%. So if a client was coming to me today to sit down and be saying, right, it's 1,500 quid a month, we need to prove to the bank for at least the last six months that you can afford 1,500 quid a month. Okay. That can come in two forms. It can come in savings and rent or one or the other. So if you're renting somewhere as a couple or as a single person and you're renting somewhere for two grand a month, you're sorted because you've shown the bank you can pay rent at two grand a month for at least six months beforehand. They'll have confidence in giving you a mortgage for 1,800 quid. Yeah. If your rent is only a grand a month, which in fairness, not many people are only paying a grand a month, not but if you were only paying a grand a month, you'll need to show a grand a month and 500 quid savings. Right, okay, yeah. Okay, so very, yeah. very straightforward. The main thing is, can you afford the mortgage repayment? 
I think some people get that so wrong and they go off and save and save and save and they might dip into their savings and might be still living at home and they make some very silly mistakes that then has to get them starting again. So they might be saving, say, 1,500 quid a month and then two months ago they might have taken out four grand to go on a holiday uh, but you think they still have 1,500 quid a month but it's been interrupted because you're taking yeah. money out. Okay? okay. So it's really important to nail that for six months. That's why anybody, I would encourage anybody that's thinking of buying in 2023 to reach out and get a mortgage consultation as soon as possible to find out what you need to do for your situation. Don't listen to what your friend, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, what everybody else did. Everyone's finances are completely different. So get a consultation and find out what do I need to do for me or for us if you're in a relationship with somebody you're both going. And that's real one. Um, We're going for that mortgage uh, consultation what do you need to bring in? You need to bring in, so this is the thing, you, you ring up and go, listen, I need to, I don't know what yeah. I'm doing, I need to. So typically speaking, with us, somebody can book a mortgage station online, um, but if they, if they come in, we're usually asking them a couple of questions on the online form about you know, their income, what they're trying to do, get out but they don't bring anything to the first consultation. The yeah. first consultation is them just giving us what their salaries are, what their figures are, what they're hoping to do. And the team will assess it and say, yeah, you should be okay. Or no, you're a little bit off. You need to do this for six months or this for a year or this for two years. Mm. And that's really good advice, Paul, because instead of having your head melted for six months trying to find a house or find a property or a year or sitting at home with your partner and pretending that you're going to be getting the mortgage and you're not going to be getting the mortgage, yeah. you're better off knowing sooner so you can actually plan for it correctly over the next 12 or 18 months. Yeah, yeah. So even a no from us, in my opinion, is a good consultation because you now know I can't do it, but I know what I need to do to do it in the future, yeah. which is, again, that's a financial plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why it's so important. Um, yeah so that's where you want to be starting off for the consultation and we'll weed out all the information we need once you do the consultation we'll set you up on our uh, underwriting system we'll send you a link to complete which you'll have to upload typically speaking bank statements pay slips uh, salary certs from your employer um, any loans that you may have already and the big one that we get people to check and this is really important is your central credit register report. So we're going to get ask people to go to centralcreditor.ie and listen to the podcast. Just do this before you even come central, to us. Central, say it again. Central credit. You, you, you no, no, I say don't. You're taking no, the kiss. No, you're yeah, taking the kiss. No, what you said. Central credit. <laughs> central credit. I can't say it now, Jesus. <laughs> the central credit register. Okay. We'll, we'll put a link it in the podcast. It is a tongue twister. It is in yeah. fairness, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I'm going to pick you up on something. No, I'm on. not taking a piss. So you go to that. That's the yeah, best. And that gives gives you your credit report wow. and it tells you whether basically you've got a clean report and what the banks are looking for a clean report and um, now we're going to do another podcast all about credit uh, credit ratings and mm-hmm. what it means etc but ultimately speaking you need to have a clear credit register so make sure that nothing's gone wrong in the last number of years typically speaking five years so every loan you've got back you've repaid you haven't missed any payments and the bank want a really clean record it's so important to get this done ASAP because unfortunately we've seen couples come to us before and particularly couples for whatever reason yeah. is where one person might think they have a problem and it's more kind of detrimental if it's a couple because if you go all the way through the process and you maybe look at a couple of hells, you're on dad, you're on my home, you're getting excited as a couple um, and you even go through the mortgage consultation and you go through the process with somebody else, wouldn't happen with us, if you go through the process with somebody else um, and then you get to the last stage and the underwriter does a credit check on you and you find out that you had a credit card five years ago before, you know, you might have fucked off Australia yeah, or somewhere yeah, and yeah. you didn't pay it um, and now you can't get a mortgage and you might be able to get a mortgage for two to five years on the back of that one mistake oh you God. made. 
So it can be absolutely soul-destroying in a relationship when you're both being saved and about mm-hmm. doing this. It can be mortifying. Uh, it can really, really damage relationships. So I recommend anybody, even if you think you're squeaky clean, before you come to your consultation, whether it is with us or anybody else, is get the central credit register report done uh, and bring it to your first appointment. Give it to your advisor. Uh, they look over and make sure everything's okay. Um, and that's so important. You don't want to go through the whole process because the underwriter will automatically do it, but they won't do it till the end. Yeah, okay. That's so brilliant that's, advice. That's wow. really, re- re- a really big tip as well. So you look at there already, Paul, recovering is affordability. Make sure you can afford your mortgage, the central credit register. And then the next thing you need to look at is your deposit. Okay. Yeah. Now, the deposit is a big one. The deposit for first-time buyers is 10%. Now, I'm not going to be smart to say this, but a lot of people don't know how to work this in the right way. Um, and a lot of people think they need to save the deposit. And they do in most cases, but there is a way to actually get a mortgage, you're going to talk about in a few minutes, without actually saving a penny, um, and which is really interesting. But what you typically me, need... big time. I'm <laughs> dying to hear this. <laughs> so for most people... They need to save a 10% deposit or have a 10% deposit. That's called a loan to value where the bank will give you 90% loan to value. Okay, so the property price is 300,000 euro. The bank are going to give you 270,000 euro and you need to have that other 30,000 euro. Uh, Now that needs to be either a gift from a family friend or a family member or it can be a, uh, you know, you save it yourself typically speaking. Mm -hmm. However, the government have a scheme called help to buy. Yeah. Okay. Now, the help to buy is for new bills only or self bills. You must be building your own house uh, or you must be buying it off a builder. So, for self bills. So, not not like an, an old ruin or not something. Not an old ruin. Now, there is, a, there is actually a little thing we're yeah. looking at derelicts and all, but we leave that aside for yeah, a second yeah, as yeah. well. So, typically speaking, help to buy is 10% of the purchase price. Okay. So, what the help to buy is, it's a refund of the taxes that you have paid for the last four years. So if you have a couple and they're on, say, 50 grand each, which is 100 grand combined income, over the last four years, they would have combined paid more than probably 30,000 euro in income tax. So going back to that 300,000 euro property, you could apply for the help to buy tomorrow and you could get your 30 grand deposit, which is your 10% deposit, okay? And then you can get your 270 grand loan off the bank. And if you've been renting for more than 1,500 quid a month, you can actually walk straight out of your rental property and into a house with no savings. Okay. Because number one, your rent is showing your affordability to pay the mortgage. Okay. And number two, the help the boy has given you your deposit. So therefore, you don't need to save and you don't need to. Another big thing with the help the boy is they'll give you up to 10% of the value of the property to 500,000 euro. Okay. So if you're buying a house for 505 grand, you don't qualify for the help the boy at all. Wow. And if you're buying a house for 500,000, they cap it at 30 grand. So it'd be only the first kind of 300,000 is calculated. Okay. So you can buy a house for say 490 grand, but the max of revenue will give you is 30 grand. So you have to find that other 19,000 euro for that 49 grand because yeah, it's 10% yeah. deposit. Does that make okay, sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. So if you're lucky enough, um, and you know, obviously I live in Dublin and Dublin property prices in most cities around the country are absolutely excruciating. But if you can find a new build or you can do a self-build for in around 300 grand and you both are singly have paid income tax of more than 30 grand over the last four years, you can typically speaking get your help to buy, buy the house. And there's another government scheme we talk about in a second as well that will help you. But um, yeah, so it's typically... So that's how you qualify for it. That was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's how you qualify for it. Now, big thing here for people to watch out for is if anyone is listening, uh, maybe abroad from Australia, New York, Dubai, wherever you're living, uh, you have to be back in the country, but you can have been paid tax over the last four years. So let's say somebody went to Dubai two years ago. They've been there for two years. They come back. 
you know, four year three and year four will qualify and to help the boys. You mightn't get the full forty okay, grand yeah, yeah. or the full thirty grand. That example, you might only get twelve grand. Yeah. But make sure you apply for it, and you apply for it through the revenue.ie website. There's a section which I encourage everyone that's a PAYE worker, so someone that works for somebody, typically speaking, PAYE worker, to register for what's what called the My Account section of uh, the PAYE uh, mm-hmm. for My Revenue. And that's where you're going to apply for the help to buy. And if it's a couple, you both can apply through there, link your accounts, and it will tell you both what you qualify for. So majority of people we look at will get the 30K. Um, okay. But in those instances where someone's coming back from Australia, maybe, or the boy, or whatever their life is, they might only get 10 grand or 12 grand, depending on their circumstances. And do you would the advice be for them to wait and kind of uh, just maybe no, work but by the time you wait the property market will be gone up anyway. yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> so that's going to be a big problem there and interest rates which is going to go on in a couple of minutes interest rates will definitely have moved by the end of next year so right. I w- it's not going to be worth your while you're going to lose it all on interest yeah. um, which we'll get into in, in a second but uh, so they're the main things so affordability um, your credit register and you're going to look at uh, your deposit as well okay. um, a thing with the banks as well is that a lot of people we see can sometimes get gifts from parents if they're lucky enough to be in a yeah, situation yeah. where the mom and dad will help them out uh, the bank will always look to see if there's some element of savings on top of that as well now I have seen examples where people be given the full gift from their parents and affordability or income levels have been quite high and it's been okay but just keep in mind that they don't like to see 100% gifts uh, it can be done but you're always better off having something yourself and then lastly if someone's looking for a self-build so they're going to build their own gaff the main thing to be important about here is that the bank will look for a contingency plan so when you're building a house, as everybody will probably be aware of, you're building an extension or building a kennel, it's still going to go Anything. over budget. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's very important that you factor that in. And it's typically 10%. So although you might have the help the boy, so you're building a house for 300,000 euro, yeah. you help the boy is 30 grand, 10 grand, or 10%, 30 grand, the bank would probably still want to see 10% in savings. So you might have your affordability checked, you might have your 30 grand from the help the boy checked, and the bank will say, yeah, but you need a contingency plan here because you're self-built. So they'll probably look wow. at another 30 grand in savings. And I've seen people trip up on that in a self-built yeah, point geez, of view as well. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sure a lot of people don't. No, they don't. And the last thing is self-built is just what we're here. Very important that you don't start a self-built without a mortgage. So many times people have come in for a consultation and they're a carpenter, they're a bricklayer, they're in the building trade and they bought a bit of land and they put the driveway in, they put the foundations in uh, and they're even up to maybe roof level. They might have run out of money and they're looking for a mortgage. Not a hope in hell of getting a mortgage. Because the bank, when they're doing a self-built mortgage, they give you the mortgage in stage payments. So based on foundations going in, architect certifies it's done correctly. Up the first level, architect certifies it's done properly. Then more money gets released and more money and more money. Because the bank security is on that self-built. Yeah. So if that hasn't been built correctly and the house is, you know, built, the function is not like livable or something's yeah, yeah. gone wrong, uh, the bank have no, you know, uh, asset to secure it against. So they can't sell it on the open market. Yeah. So therefore, it's very important. I've seen people do that sometime. We're all looking at each other here going, yep. Yeah. Okay, that's, uh, that's a good point there. Big yeah. time. Just to throw that uh, extra tip yeah, in. Yeah, that's, uh, okay. Uh, the next one I might go into is uh, having a chat about the, I think, about the first home loan schemes. There's three main schemes. You've got the help the boy from the government, which we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the first home scheme. It's going to go into now. And they've also got the local authority loans. Let's jump into the first home scheme. The first home scheme is very, very simply 
the government stepping in to be the banker mom and dad. So the government in this instance are going to take an equity in your house. Mm-hmm. This is really more probably, probably important to everybody as a first-time buyer these days because of property prices. But I think typically important to those people that might be single because they're buying on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and they don't have anybody else going in with them. So having the government coming in with 30% is actually a good idea. Now, when the first home scheme was released by Tara Bryan, the housing minister, a lot of people slaughtering, a lot of opposition parties, I'm not going into any politics in this podcast, by the way, but a lot of op- opposition parties, you know, threw a lot of mud at this. Forget about politics. If you're in a situation where you need to get on the property ladder, you have to look at all the schemes that are available. And yeah. I think that loads of schemes out there are very beneficial. But I think there's a lot of mudslinging and a lot of criticism of where we are with our housing market, which in fairness is a shit show. But you have to look at what's available today and see what suits you and your needs, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. So take a step back from all the negativity that might be out there, what you're hearing. And look at everything and say, well, that actually suits me. Yeah. <laughs> and there's going to be thousands of people that this first home scheme suits. It's going to help them get on the property ladder. It's going to get a roof over their head, stop them paying rent and have them in a good situation by the time they get to 60, 65 because you can't be retired when you're still paying rent because it's going to be an absolute disaster for most people. So uh, most people need to have a property by the time they get to retirement age and have it paid off. That has to be a goal for practically everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when was this brought in? Why was it? Is it new? It enough? was brought in last year um, and it's basically, like I said, the government are taking an equity piece. So they're going to take up the 30%. Now, good news is you can use the first home scheme with the help the boy scheme. And if you're doing wow, that, okay. the 10% will come from the government. So let's look at that 300,000 euro property again, okay? The, the the government will give you the 10% from the help the boy and then also give you another 20% help as well on the value of the property so another 60 odd grand will come as well wow. so that means you only have to qualify for a mortgage now in around 230 hmm. now this really helps because we're going to talk about central bank lending in a second and the multiplications of how you actually afford a mortgage the basics here is that you can afford four times your annual salary right. so if you as a single person is on maybe 50,000 euro a year the bank will allow you to borrow up to four times that, which is 200,000 euro. Yeah. You won't get much for 200,000 euro, even with your deposit and your health to buy on top of it. So this shared of the first home scheme will allow you to get more, okay? So the mm-hmm. bank basically mean and bridge the gap between what you can get with your mortgage, your deposit, and what the property prices are. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of information. I, I'm going to de- recommend... We're going to talk a lot about it now, but I'm going to recommend that people look up maybe the uh, citizen information I always find is a really good it's place to go. Yeah, it's it's really, really plain English. It's better than the government websites and fairness knows one by the government with different departments, but I think it's a really, really good place to go. Um, from the first home scheme, it's important to say it's for first-time buyers. And what I really like about this, it's for what's people that are called fresh starters as well. So I did say this podcast for first-time buyers only, but in this case, first-time buyers can be classed as fresh starters, which are people that have been through divorce or separation and they'll have longer an interest in the family home. Mm-hmm. So someone's gone through divorce, come off the mortgage, come off the deeds, they're now allowed to go for the first home scheme, the same with the help the boy, which is really good for people because it's very hard for people in that situation to get back on their feet. Yeah. Um, so we'll mention that as well. Only thing they've really kind of messed up on here is the value of what you can qualify under the first home scheme. So you look at, for argument's sake, the likes of Dublin, Cork, Dunleary, Fingal, South Dublin. Uh, they're all allowed a property price of 475 grand, which is kind of hard to come by. Yeah. Uh, or an apartment of 500k. And I hate that piece because I just don't think people should be going into apartments, uh, especially as first-time buyers, because if anything does happen in the market, it's very hard to get out and get into a property or you can end up being an accidental landlord. And we haven't really learned from mistakes in 2007. 
Um, so in that regard So you'd be suggesting that A first time buyer Look to buying a house Or just Yeah I would Anyway yeah I would can, always suggest Yeah, yeah if yeah. you can If your budget allows it I would and if it doesn't allow um, It doesn't allow it Then apartment better than renting Kind of last last case scenario To be okay. fair Yeah yeah I, I, I always think a house Is better than an apartment But um, in this case Like I said For those areas I mentioned You know You can buy a house At the 475 grand And an apartment At the 500k um, So it can be difficult But you look at mm. 475,000 On a 475,000 You know to help the buy Is capped uh, at 30k 30, to qualify yeah. for that okay so you're going to bring your 475 down to 445 and then typically speaking to qualify for that type of a mortgage a person would want to be on in around 100 grand or a couple to get about 400 grand of a mortgage then a deposit yeah. maybe a 30 grand and you're there about getting 475 grand so in this case a couple can be on less than 100 grand and they might only qualify for a 370 or 380 house and that might be a three bed house mm-hmm. or it might be an apartment in the area and now they can go for the house with the shared equity scheme comes in to help them out Okay. Now the shared equity scheme, Paul. This is the third one now. It's very important. No, it's still the same. It's still in the same shared. The, the first, sorry, I keep calling it shared equity. It's the first home scheme. First sorry. home scheme. Okay. It was called the shared equity scheme. It's the we all thought it was the first home. They changed the name to the first home scheme, uh, which is basically shared equity or the government own your house with you. Yeah. So they own thirty percent or twenty percent, whatever, going to take a share. That money from the government that 60 grand 70 grand whatever that piece is with the government that goes on top of your mortgage you have your mortgage that you pay back to the bank and the banks are involved they're typically AIB PTSB and Bank of Ireland uh, at Haven which are part of uh, AIB so they'll participate in this scheme with the government very very important that people realise that that chunk of change the, the, the equity from the government that 60 70 grand whatever that money is you don't ever have to pay that back until you die or until you move house so, mm. but they own the percentage of 20%. So let's say your yeah, house is yeah. worth half a million or 475 grand, or say the apartment in this instance is half a million worth of apartment. Let's say you transfer to 20 years time and the apartment's worth a million. Okay, well, the government owns 20% of that. Right, yeah, Okay, yeah, so they might yeah. give you 100 grand at the beginning, but they know 200 grand when you sell can it. Can you pay that off? If you come into money, can you, you pay can it pay off? You can pay it off at any stage. And okay. they don't charge you anything for the first five years. Wow. And then from year five onwards, they only charge you 1.75%. Now, we're going to be talking about interest rates in a couple of minutes. Um, <laughs> 1.75 is absolute dirt cheap yeah it's so it's amazing so if I does was actually year or does that yeah it goes up after year 10 etc but year or year 10, 5 right. yeah year, after year 5 being in so the first 5 years are free and then it increases from yeah. there onwards so it goes from year 6 to year 15 I think it is actually uh, but what happens in the in, in the shared equity or the first home scheme is that you can pay it back at any stage or you don't pay it back until you die or until you sell the property um, and it's like a it's like a management charge recharge on that 1.75% yeah, yeah. so technically speaking if I was the first time buyer going out to the marketplace today I'd be trying to secure 30% of the value of my house at 1.75 by using the government's cheap money than going to a bank yeah. that's going to absolutely roast me interest rate-wise now in the future, which is going to be interest rates again in a second. So it's actually really, really, really good to have 20 or 30% of the value of your money you owe somebody yeah. uh, on 1.7 odd percent. Um, Alex, you don't have to clear it down, but you can clear it down. You can chip away as the years go. Boy, I think the majority of people are not going to clear this down unless they really have to. And even at 1.7%, you know, it's really cheap money. I yeah. wouldn't really recommend that you pay it down. I'd probably recommend you invest that money or do something else with your overall financial plan, be a pension or investment. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of advice there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a really, really, really good scheme. And that's the third scheme. Second scheme. Um, moving on to the third scheme. Yeah. Um, we have the local authority loan. We're okay? all taking notes in the, in yeah. the studio here. So, so the local authority loan uh, it used to be the Rebuilding Ireland Home Loan Scheme. People might remember that. Uh, but it's now the local authority loan. It's run by the local authorities. You apply to the local authority. 
which in fairness is a bit of a nightmare I'm going to give the local authority a bit of leeway here and that they're not mortgage advisors uh, or, you know uh, they were kind of put in a really awkward position but it's, it's a bit of a nightmare to apply for this it takes a long time to get through uh, and it can be like pulling teeth for people to apply for so you need to apply as soon as possible so what the government have done here is typically said if you can't get a mortgage with a main bank lending institution and you get two refusals apply to the home the, the local authority loan and they will give you a little bit more than what the bank would have given you okay um, so what you do is if you're a, a single applicant and you're earning up to 65,000 euro below 65,000 euro you can apply for the first home scheme or sorry for the local authority loan sorry and if you apply for the local authority loan that's for Dublin it's for Cork Galway Loud Mead Kildare and Wicklow uh, it's up to that 65,000 euro and if you live in any other county it's up to 50,000 income as a single mm. applicant if you're a couple and you're earning up to 75 grand combined income in any county you can apply for the local authority loan okay. um, they're really good interest rates now they're really crap interest rates up until recently but they're fixed so they're now fixed at 3.35 for 25 years or 3.45 for 30 years a little bit expensive in today's market but it's going to be really good value in the next year or two as interest rates are going up around with the European Central oh, Bank okay. so really a good option for people that are capped as a couple at 75 grand or as a single income earner the good thing about the local authority loan is the only one of the three that I've mentioned the local authority loan you can buy a new build or a second hand property okay wow. so you can buy the door up or you okay. can do a small house etc uh, but it does take a lot of time now if you're going for the local authority loan loan and you're going for a new build, you can also go back and qualify for the help the boy that was there as yeah, well. So you okay. can use the two schemes together. So I know there's a lot of information there. Yeah. Uh, for those that want to listen back to this in the notes section of this podcast, we're going to actually give the times that we speak about various different things because you're getting a lot of information. Yeah. Uh, well, today. I'll have some of the websites there as yeah, well. That exactly, mentioned. yeah. We put the links as well. So you want to listen back and you want to hear more about the local authority loan or the first home scheme. But I do think the local authority loan for those, are, there's a really good website, localauthorityloan.ie. It's a really clear calculator we can put in the area you're buying, the income that you're on or your single income, boat income, how many years you want to pay it back. And I will tell you what your affordability is. And again, they're going to check like a bank. The affordability is 1200 quid a month. Can you afford it by rent or savings or a mixture of both? So the same principle applies for the local authority loan as it does for a mortgage from a main bank. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's like going through the mortgage, I suppose, procedure or process with a local authority loan, though, okay. uh, or local authority, rather, uh, which is, like I said, a bit pulling teeth. So give yourself lots of time and lots of patience for that one. Because it's all right. <laughs> um, and with so yeah, obviously you, we, there's a lot of information there to take in, and yeah, playback and all. It's 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 it's. I'm kind of thinking about the team that you get building a team. To who do you go to first? I yeah, know you go to really mortgage advice, and then where do you yeah. go from that? So you need a really good team around you. You need to build a team, and this is where I want to be very clear about this. It is a very stressful time for people, and they have got a lot of hopes. Got uh, their emotions are tied into it as well, um, and I think it's really important that you get your mortgage consultation first and foremost, yeah. because how much you can afford to buy. Can you apply for a mortgage now? How long is it going to take? Like banks in the current environment are really slow at getting to approval and principal and loan offers because they still haven't recovered from COVID-19 and staff remote working. They can't get staff. And it's a really, really slow process. Mm -hmm. So you want to be getting in as soon as possible. If you're thinking of buying in 2023, get a consultation. ASAP is a real message here with a mortgage consultation. Next of all, you need a solicitor. You're going to need yeah. a solicitor and you're going to need an agent. So you're going to need an agent that's going to sell you the property or multiple agents. So if you're looking at buying, I don't know, we're living in Dublin. So let's say you're buying north side of Dublin from Condra. 
you want to go and talk to a few agents from Condra to say, look, I'm looking at the boy. This is my price range. This is, you know, what I'm trying to get. Three bed, two bed, apartment is house. Is this after securing the mortgage or is this after? Yeah, you need to get what's called an approval principle. So yes, the mortgage yeah. stages go approval and principle where the bank say, yeah, look, you looked at everything. Um, we're approving you for 300 grand or 350 grand of a mortgage. Yeah. Then you go find the property. Once you find the property, you let the bank know what the property price is and the address, and then they move to what's called a loan offer. Now, mm. to get to a loan offer, that goes to your solicitor. So in between those two phases, you need a solicitor. You need a good solicitor, okay? okay? I can't stress this enough. You need a conveyancing solicitor. That's what these guys are called. You don't need the family solicitor at your folks of yours for the last 30 years who doesn't do much conveyancing because it's going to be absolute torture. Okay. You need a really good conveyance and ask your friends, your family. We'd always recommend a couple of solicitors when people come to us that we know work really well in conveyancing and that can make all the difference on stress levels as well because if you've got a solicitor, like some solicitors will still only use what's called a DX where they send stuff paper-wise. They won't use email. Yeah. And that's that's, that's a disaster. <laughs> that's it's, it's a complete disaster. Yeah. So you're relying you, on posts. Yeah, you want time. somebody that's going to be communicating with you all the time and, and, and fighting your corner. Um, and can, I, can I just uh, ask on, on when you yeah. do go into the um, and you get uh, that advice to go for those kind of solicitors and all that kind of stuff if you hear something back from the mortgage um, advisor that you happen to go to regardless of who it is and you don't hear what you want to hear yeah. going to another one won't make a difference really, it generally it? won't make yeah. a difference no it won't now look what I will say is those things to get through we have got mortgages for people that couldn't get mortgages before yeah. Okay, um, and a lot of people get misinformation because sometimes insurance brokers or accountants might have mortgage agencies, so yeah. agencies, so they might be approved to offer mortgage advice, but it doesn't mean they're good at giving mortgage yeah, advice. Yeah. And a lot of people only want to give mortgage advice to clean applications or quick applications because they know it's stress free. They get paid a commission. We get paid a commission generally about one percent of the mortgage. Um, so they might be looking for mortgage over five hundred k. They might be looking for mortgage of high income earners. Uh, we've always said as Paul is equality, so we want to give advice to everybody. So we make a difference. The mortgage is hundred grand, or three hundred grand, or eight hundred grand, or a million. It's still the same process with us. Yeah. Um, we have a big team. Uh, we've got really qualified, really experienced advisors. So we're really passionate about the mortgage journey for people. Where some advisors now some other companies that are probably as good as us mm-hmm. and but there's a lot that aren't yeah, of course, um, yeah and there's a lot that are in the market of giving mortgage advice but they probably shouldn't be if true be told and if you get that advisor they might get a no off them but they might know all the banks or they might have an agency with yeah, all the banks yeah, yeah. and don't forget you might go for argument's sake if you have a bad credit rate rating and you go to Bank of Ireland AIB and Permatsb and typically speaking it's five years before they touched you but you like to finance Ireland look at you after two years right. so you might go to somebody that doesn't have an agency with finance Ireland and so they won't get that information and they won't get that information so it's important to go to somebody that has multiple agencies with multiple banks because everyone's situation is going to be completely different yeah. and also all and banks you'll get advice probably from loads of different people as well you will. So what we do is we try to give an overview of the market and be able to say, right, we think you should go with this bank for these reasons, yeah. okay? It mightn't always be the lowest interest rate, depending on your circumstance. Now, obviously, we're financial planners. You're we want you to have yeah. the lowest interest rate and for the longest fixed rate possible is what we're going to recommend. But if you have a bad credit rate, you might need to go to someone like Finance Ireland who hasn't got the cheapest rates by a long while in the marketplace at the moment. But you'll get the... But you get the mortgage. Yeah, get the mortgage. And that's something we'll have to identify to that person. Yeah, yeah. So it, it'd be a case-by-case case basis, Paul. So I think that's that's really, really, really important. Um, and if someone's not a traditional earner um, and they uh, are like me and uh, work for themselves, um, they might not get uh, the answer that they want no, from they different won't. people. And, and it, it can vary. Hmm. But again, it depends. And I genuinely mean this. Our 
team so we we have a really high success rate i think it's about 97 98 percent of applications get approved the people that don't get approved from us with banks is because there's something we don't know about uh, or we may be misled by somebody yeah. um and something we can do about that but we will underwrite ourselves in ask paul first before sending the applications up so we've got a really really high success rate and sometimes it's how you pitch a case to a bank to yeah. and there is a bit of old-fashionedness in that um so for argument's sake when it comes to uh, maybe freelance workers or people that are self-employed you genu- generally need to have at least two years sets of accounts mm-hmm. and it's a big thing for people if you're thinking of going self-employed and you're thinking of going to buy in the next year you won't <laughs> so get your house before you go self-employed yeah. um, and the reason being is that bank needs to see stability in the income like you're you're securing your income against a three or four hundred grand loan if someone's giving you hundreds of thousands of euro and you have to prove that you're paying it back that's what a mortgage is it's as simple as that yeah. it's as simple as that and that person needs to have complete like if you know, if I was to come along to you and you had a few million in the bank pot and say to you, Paul, can I have another 400 grand there? And you wanted to give it to me, you'd make sure I could pay it back yeah, and you'd yeah, make sure I had the money. Yeah, yeah. Think, yeah, exactly, yeah. you'd want some rules. Yeah. And actually, somebody came up and looked for 100 quid off you. So mate, yeah, you said, yeah, yeah. yeah, when are you going to give it back to me? Yeah. Uh, and making sure they're financially sound some way. If you know yeah. someone's looking for 100 quid and they're not working um, and, you know, they're on the piss every week and they're on social welfare and, they're, you know, yeah, you're not going to get your 100 quid back. You're going to be, exactly. So, it's the same for a bank. Hmm. So you have to remember you're getting hundreds of thousands of euros. So they're entitled to ask for bank statements and mortgages. Yeah, yeah. And what's your, what's your past repayment capacity like? Have you paid people back on time? Have you not missed direct debits, et cetera? Yeah. So that's supposed to be there. And I think you have to respect that. But from a self-employed point of view, you need two year sets of accounts. Um, and for those that might be in that kind of gig economy where they have varying income, some banks or those that might even have commission. So commission can be variable income where you might be on a low salary, but really high commissions. They'll typically look at it over a two year period or an average of three years. But different banks have different rules. So it's always good, I think, when we sit down with the application, we will have a good idea what bank will let that go or what bank will say yes to that quicker or what bank will allow it through compared to another bank. And that's really what your mortgage advisor is uh, and your mortgage consultant should be doing for you. Yeah. Um, is listening to all the... And, and don't forget, the mortgage consultant, especially when we do an Ask Paul, if you get a no... You get a why and you get a how to solve it. And I think that's worth its weight in gold because otherwise you're literally living in cuckoo land, yeah, yeah, wrecking yeah. your you head for two years or a that. year, thinking you're getting a mortgage and you're not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or someone saying, you're not getting a mortgage. Yeah. Here's why. Here's how you sort it out. Come back to us in a year. Um, and in fact, with us, we don't charge you when you come back in a year because you're still a client to be in our view. Yeah, so if you okay. go off and sort out your issue or you often get, you know, another year set of accounts under your belt and you come back. So it's not a it's not a pointless consultation because yeah, yeah, you've yeah. learned something and you know what the truth is and, and where you're going and you can provide peace of mind and clarity, It's just important to know what you're doing wrong as, as what you're doing right. Yeah, exactly. Case. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I do have a question. About, um, so it kind of goes into how to get the mortgage and stuff like that insurance brokers because particularly in the gig economy and self-employed which I am yeah. um, now I do have friends that one went for their mortgage all that kind of stuff was all going ahead going really well they earn a lot of money great money and they, they fell at the last hurdle because of uh, the insurance and it was to do with um, a past illness okay that is brilliant and I didn't because, know to talk about this yeah, but thank you it was really well it, was, it kind of shocked me that that would come into um, it, they, they didn't get the mortgage for, yeah. at that time um, they, they luckily have since because it was a long time ago and as you say they went off and got their accounts in order but 
they had everything in order. It just came down to uh, the life insurance policy that yeah. they now, couldn't get. Now, we've had clients like this that we have got cover for. And again, it depends on how you pitch the case to the underwriter. It depends on what's in place. So the person may have a, a, a debt and service in work. Or they might not be the uh, higher earner in the, in the relationship. So uh, their spouse might be earning more. Their yeah. partner might be earning more. Um, they might be married where the widow's pension be paid out if someone was to pass away. So again, there is ways of pitching. Not always successfully, but there is ways of doing it. So what you're looking at there is everybody that gets a mortgage in Ireland is a legal requirement to have what's called a mortgage protection policy. Mm. A mortgage protection policy is life cover. It's attached to the mortgage and it's assigned to the bank. So what that means is, let's say, uh, myself, I said, now, by the way, I think I said in the podcast before, and I'm talking about I have a bad kidney complaint. And when I went for mortgage before, I got refused and I had to go through another company, I had to go to the UK and I eventually got cover. So I know what this is like and I know how stressful this can be for people. So if you have a health complaint and you're thinking about going for a mortgage, you need to get the life cover first. <laughs> so you need yeah. to say, if you're coming to ask Paul, say to the consultant ASAP, by the way, I have a health complaint, they'll try and get you the cover before we continue with the consultation. Right. Because then we make sure that everything is teed up first and not at the last hurdle like your friend. This happens so many people. But back to the mortgage section. You're legally required to have the life cover in place. That means, let's go go and use a couple for this example. There's a couple on the mortgage and one of them passes away. There's now less income to pay the mortgage. Mm -hmm. So the life company will have a policy. Let's say the mortgage is 350K. You'll have a life assurance policy for 350K in place for 25 or 30 years, matching the term of the mortgage. And it means if you pass away, the mortgage is cleared. The life company paid the money directly to the bank and the bank cleared the mortgage and the surviving partner or spouse now has a property and it's mortgage free. Yeah, okay. Okay, so very, very basic. Now what happens is if you can't get life cover, the bank won't give you the mortgage because they're saying no because if you, number one, we have a health complaint, you're probably more likely to die than somebody else anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can't get life cover and you die, there's less of an income coming in, so it's judged too much of a risk. Yeah. But again, like I said, there's ways you can look at it in the UK, you can look at cover abroad, abroad, um, and there's a few different things you can do in yeah, this instance. Yeah, when you say abroad always... in the UK and stuff like that, can you get a mortgage from a different bank in? in <laughs> no, the... you can't get a mortgage, you can get a life cover, and yeah, sometimes okay. the banks will accept it, but not always. It depends on the situation yeah, and the okay. circumstances of the client. And so I must say that I don't want people thinking if they got refused before that we can solve they all problems. We can, but yeah. we're just saying it has been done on a case-by-case basis before. But I think it's really important, again, if you're going for cover or going for a mortgage and you think you have a health issue or you've been refused cover before that you come into us disclose that first and foremost and see can we get you the cover before we go get the mortgage because yeah. there's no point in going getting the mortgage and asking them uh, and relating back and, and you know having that problem where you can't get the mortgage a drawdown because you can't get the cover but okay. we usually check that anyway in our consultations with clients yeah great that's brilliant, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where that is. Um right. you mentioned there fairness insurance brokers, Paul, as well. Yes. In relation to so the, when the, do you go to insurance? This is so, about gathering a team so, and stuff. So when do you when do you go a to mortgage broker and insurance are completely different things. So yeah. a mortgage broker will typically be a mortgage and life assurance. An insurance provider will typically be someone that gives you health insurance or car insurance. Yeah. And in a mortgage, you'll also need home insurance. <laughs> so that's another cost okay. you have to think of. Uh, they're cheap enough, the policies for home insurance. And that will basically cover the house if it burns down or if it falls apart. Yeah. Um, and again, that's the bank protection. They want that to happen. So in case the house burns down, you can't, you're not going to pay for a mortgage. You can't, a house you can't live in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's there to protect the bank and protect you. That's a good idea. So you want life insurance, mortgage protection, um, and you want a, a home insurance policies. So there are two additional costs you need to be considering. You obviously have your solicitor costs on top of that as well so when you mentioned there you're on about assembling your team you need your mortgage broker 
you need your solicitor and you need your, you know, probably your mortgage broker should be doing your life cover for you as your mortgage action plan and you need insurance. Some mortgage brokers will offer the insurance part as well and some won't. Yeah. Um, but it is important to have those people in your corner alongside your agent and then people might need extra people. So you might be buying a house that needs a survey done. You know, it depends on the age of the Big house time, yeah, yeah. and the, the bank might ask for that as well depending yeah. on the age of the house. Then you need to get a surveyor involved. These are all things you need to be considered um, and why having a good mortgage consult consultant will tell you this and yeah. work with you and so, they all have to be paid at some point <laughs> they do and in fairness we have a fee based areas where we charge initial fee uh, for your mortgage consultation uh, which usually generally takes up about an hour uh, but you're entitled then to multiple consultations thereafter yeah. without any more charges um, uh, if you think it works really well uh, and it's a fair use policy so we put the fee at 200 quid on it to make sure that people aren't coming in to ask Paul um, and I suppose Time wasting, trying to find out what if, what if. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. We do that through our free uh, DM. So people come in and ask a DM for free or come to questions at askpaul.ie. But we don't want to book it in with consultants that can be spending time helping people that are actually exactly. ready to go. So yeah, we're trying yeah. to get that sorted. Um, so yeah, we think it's a good system. It's a good service. It's fair. Uh, but yeah, everybody gets paid and hopefully you get into your, your dream home. And that's what it's all about. And I think you have to look at all you can impact. Don't be trying to do everything. Don't become that you think you're better in the bank or you know more than the bank or don't think you know more than a solicitor, you need to concentrate and get a mortgage approval and then buy a house. Yeah. That's it. Where I think so many people get emotionally involved in the mortgage, the insurance, the life insurance, the home insurance, yeah. the solicitors. So you need to have people you can trust, people you can rely on um, and a really good team because yeah. that's what you're paying them for. And just really quick, because I know we're going to wrap it up soon, but just if you, as you said at the very start of the pod, not to uh, pick your house first and then go for the mortgage or even start building and then go for the mortgage. But if you're seeing a nice little house down the road or you see a new kind of area being built uh, where you'd like to live or your friends are all buying in and all is going to crack. What do you do there? You want to you wanna just figure out how much those houses are going for first and all no, that kind of stuff? no. You just go get your mortgage consultation and find out what you can afford. Yeah. And then you go to DAF.ie and you put in what you can afford and you find out where it is. Where it is. Don't yeah. go over the area force, go for your mortgage force, how much you can borrow. You're only stressing. To, to, to say that again because yeah. it's so easy to go on DAFT or whatever. You're only stressing yourself out. Yeah. And you're yeah, in, yeah. living a daydream. And you disappoint land. yourself. You disappoint yourself. Yeah. And then, you, as well as that, there's a whole thing. You need to make sure that you're you're setting yourself up for success and not setting yourself up for failure. If you're looking at houses that are out of your price range, you're not going to get a mortgage for, you're not going to be happy with the house you're going to end up in. Yeah. yeah. Because you set your stall out too high and there's yeah, not, yeah. no point. So be honest, the first thing you need is to find out how much you can borrow. Yeah. And how much your deposit have. Do you qualify for the help to buy? Are you going to use the shared equity? Are you on lower income and do you need to do the local authority loan? That is like pulling teeth. I said this earlier on, so I'm setting you up for that. That's going to be like pulling teeth. Yeah. So you're going to give yourself loads of time and loads of energy and take a, a deep breath before you apply for a mortgage before you the local authority loan yeah. to make sure that you understand what you're going through um, and don't be getting too stressed about it because I think stress, um, it's, not, it's supposed to be a good time. It's supposed to be an exciting thing for a person to buy a property. Mm. It's the fear of, of being, of not qualifying. It's the fear of, of going, actually, you can't have that. Yeah. You, you it's the actually, anxiousness. It's, it's the of anxiousness. Course, it's, yeah, anxiety yeah. towards is, is huge and yeah. uh, uh, expectation is obviously a massive thing yeah, as well. And, it, is. Yeah. it is. It is. I mean, you mentioned this thing comparing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where your mates are living, what they're doing. Instagram. Every, yeah, Instagram. Everyone's life is completely different. Everyone's finances are completely different. Yeah, but yeah. people's finances 
can change. Like a ten, like if somebody buys a, whether it's a two bed apartment or a townhouse or a house or a three bed, in ten years or fifteen years time, you'll probably be living somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. So you know, everyone has a. You, you have to do what's journey. right for now, and yeah. you have to go on that financial journey. Um, and if you're not somewhere else in ten years or fifteen years time, I'd always try and say, if you're trying to buy a house, try and buy, and as we always say, a house. If the worst comes to the worst, don't buy a stopgap. Don't just buy somewhere to get on the ladder. Buy somewhere that you can actually see yourself maybe long-term if needs be. Um, I have a big worry about people jumping into a mortgage um, and jumping into buying a property where you don't want to be there in five years' time. The main reason is because the cost of borrowing the first five years of a mortgage are extremely expensive because how interest rates work and what banks work is that the interest isn't spread evenly from year one to year five. They front load the interest. So in mm-hmm. the first year, you'll pay more interest than you do off your capital. Yeah. So that repayment is 1,500 quid a month. The majority is going to be going off interest. I actually have the figures here. So if you borrow 350,000 euro off a bank and the interest rate is 3%, over 30 years, your repayment is 14.75, okay? A month. What I do if I was listening to this podcast is rewind that 15 second button and take that down. Because yeah. that, that's really yeah. important for me. I yeah. do this all the time and listen to podcasts. So that's, yeah, okay. Yeah. So what, what else? Let's say, as good as we recap, it's 350,000, 3% interest rate over 30 years. It's going to cost you 14.75 a month. In year one, out of the 14.75, the interest is 875 and only 600 euro comes off the capital. Hmm. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. So when you pay your 14.75, the 14.75 isn't coming off your 350 grand loan. 875 is going to the bank's interest pot and only 300 quid is coming off your capital. And then what happens if you look at this over time, and this is really interesting, on the last payment, okay, so as close as possible to the last payment as you can possibly get. So on a yearly basis. So let's say actually you put them in the yearly figures. In year one, your interest rate, I suppose your total payment on your 1475 is 17,700 a year, Paul. So you're going to pay the bank 17,700 a year, yeah? Yeah. 10,400 has gone to interest and only seven grand has gone off your capital. Okay. Okay. So at the end of year one, you've paid 17 grand of 350, but you still owe 342,000. Yeah. Okay. So only yeah, yeah. 700 grand has gone off. In month or year 29. Year 29. Year 29, 700 quid has gone off the interest and 16,900 has gone off the capital. Mm-hmm. So the bank lays the interest in the first few years. Yeah. So it's capital. So they're getting their interest up front because the banks are cute. <laughs> okay, so they get okay. their interest up front so if you're buying a stopgap home for five years you might put your deposit down your home assurance your solicitors your life assurance blah 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 blah. you paid a bucket of interest for five years and if you sell the property for what it's worth it just costs you a bucket of interest you probably would have been better off renting through Hall for five years right because there's so much interest being paid to the bank and people don't calculate that yeah yeah so point is always try and get a house you can stay in for at least in my opinion 10 years okay because you start eating into a little bit of your capital over 10 years it also gives the market much more of a chance of being up in 10 years versus 5 years there's loads of signs behind this you're better off if you can pick a house where you can see comfortably yourself for 10 years if it's less don't buy and after those 10 years we'll get into it in a separate podcast about second time buyers and all that kind of stuff and we'll we'll uh, we'll figure out where you go from there if you want to move on sure will yeah um, just on interest rates, Paul, something I don't, like most things financial, I don't really understand. So can you just walk me through uh, what uh, what you're talking about there? Uh, brilliant. Okay. So interest <laughs> rates are really important and they're probably oh. the most important thing to talk about on this That's podcast. What I thought that, yeah, yeah. yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I've mentioned this during the, the podcast where we're going to talk about and I want to leave this section for interest rates and this is really, really, really important. So 
interest rates, this is the amount of money the bank is charging you for your loan. Yeah. Okay. And interest rates come in two forms. They come in what's called a variable interest rate, which means the rate will increase and decrease and go up and down. Or they come in fixed rates, where the banks say to you, we're going to fix the interest and give you the same rate for a particular period of time. It can be a one-year, two-year, five-year, 10-year, 20-year fixed rate. Yeah. Usually, the longer the interest rate, the more expensive it is because you're getting fixed in for longer. In today's marketplace, nobody should be picking a variable interest rate because the current environment, interest rates going up all the time. So last July, the European Central Bank, that's who sets interest rates. The European Central Bank was zero and they start increasing interest rates. Now, the reason they've done this is that inflation is really high at the moment. The cost of living crisis and the back of COVID-19 and the cost back of the, of the Ukraine and uh, Russia invasion of Ukraine, rather, and the cost of energy prices going up across the, basically, the Eurozone. So inflation goes really high. The only thing the European Central Bank can do is increase interest rates. So when they increase interest rates, it costs us more to borrow. When it costs us more to borrow, we don't put as much money into the economy. We don't spend as much because we keep all our money because we're afraid of spending it because now everything's going up. Mm-hmm. That's basically So you take the heat out of the economy by increasing interest rates. Now, the European Central Bank currently, at time of recording, was 2.5%. Does it change that much at time of recording? It has, because oh. back in July last year, Paul, it was zero, and it's now 25 You had four rate increases within a six-month period, uh, and there's more coming in 2023. Wow. Now, when the European Central Bank was zero... The average cost of a loan on Ireland is in around 25 2.7%. So that's what the bank's margin was. Because the yeah. bank is getting the money from from Europe at 0% and charging us 2.5 odd, 2.7 for their margin average. And some banks are charging much higher. Mm. Average 2.7, say. Yeah. Now the European Central Bank is 2.5%. The bank's margin has to go on top of that. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're looking at probably true values about five odd percent. Now the banks are in competition with each other because Ulster Bank and KBC are pulling out of the marketplace this year. Mm-hmm. So the banks are in competition, and they get all those hundred thousand clients. They want them, so they're keeping interest rates low and they're not passing all the rates on. Okay, there's two types of mortgages. There's a tracker mortgage as well, and there's this kind of a non-tracker really in the marketplace, which would be a fixer or variable. Trackers, first-time buyers don't need to worry about it. There's a whole new episode for second-time buyers and switchers, which are really for trackers. But I think interest rates are going to increase dramatically over the next year or two. And I think we're yet to see the true value of what the three banks, Bank of Ireland, AIB and Permanent ESB, are going to do once KBC and Ulster Bank leave. We're back to these same three banks that don't forget we're the highest interest. So when Ulster Bank and KBC were here, they drove rates down. When Bank of Scotland was here donkeys years ago, they drove rates down. And National Lawyers Bank drove rates home. Anglo drove rates down. So our three pillar banks are back in the market with the market to themselves. We're in for a really tough time interest rate-wise in this country. And we can't retract competition in. So we can't get another bank in. Like Advent Money came in, which a Spanish bank came in through the old MBA. Um they've brought brought down interest rates, are starting to increase and dramatically Why can't as well. A new bank? Um we would say we have unfavorable laws. I don't really believe in it. It's really hard to repossess a house in Ireland compared to other jurisdictions in the Eurozone. Um, that's what you'll hear. I don't think it is. I think there's a lot of blocking from government. Don't forget, the government still have massive interest in the three pillar banks that are bailing them out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, after we bail them out. So yeah, there's yeah. a lot of conflict of interest here, Paul, with banks. And uh, nearly a whole new episode of how banks work um, and what to watch out for. But fundamentally, if you're going for an interest rate, I think you need to fix it for as long as possible. Two reasons why. Number one, you're not going to get letters in the bank telling them you're increasing your interest rate. They're thinking going to happen over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, from a financial planning point of view, it's good to know what you're paying. Yeah. And from peace of mind and less anxiety, 
you might pay a little bit more now but i think what you're going to get interest right now in the marketplace maybe in around three three and a half maybe 3.7 for a really long-term fixed rate and uh, i think it's a good idea but not all banks go up to 20 years some only go to 10 years some only go to seven so that's why when you're taking again a mortgage consultation is trying to find out what clients want and what they need. Mm. Now, if you're only buying a house, you think you're going to stay there for 10 years, you don't lock it in for 20 years because if you want to get out in 10 years, you're probably going to be charged a fixed rate penalty for breaking your rate. with Because you said to the bank, I'm going to promise to pay you this rate for 20 years yeah. and they've given you a cheap rate. So if you try and get out of that, they'll charge you a breakage fee. So if you're in a house, a three-bed house, and you're saying, look, I'm probably going to stay here for 10 years, okay, then take a 10-year fixed rate. Don't fucking fix it for 20 years. You're going yeah, to know yeah, you're yeah. going to be over in 10. But if yeah. you found a four bed or a five bed or whatever your thing is, you know, I'm really going to stay here for this my, you know, this forever home. Yeah. You have to lock it in for as long as possible, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. you get real good financial planning opportunities. I'm going to pay this amount forever. I'm never going to get it from a bank, which to me is worth its weight in gold yeah. without any anxiety and not worrying about inflation, European Central Bank, etc. Now, really important, European Central Bank has said that it's trying to keep its base rate for inflation in around 2%. I think it's going to be 25 or 3 So inflation is currently right around 10%. They want to bring it down to 2 So when it comes to interest rates, we can kind of predict the future. If the European Central Bank gets inflation down to 2%, or say 2.5%, which I think would be if they're lucky, 2.5%, your rate in the European Central European zone would need to be higher than the inflation. To keep inflation down, your mortgage interest rate needs to be higher. So if the inflation is going to be 25 you're pretty much guaranteed the rate's going to be, you know, 3 at least. Hmm. So if the interest rate of the European Central Bank is 3 and our banks are charging 27 you're going to end up about 55 So I think you're going to be there in the next two years. So if you can get a rate for 3.7 fixed for the next 20-odd years, bite the hands off. In my opinion, I yeah, think. Yeah. Obviously, I could be wrong. I don't have a crystal ball. Um, but with the data we're being faced with today and what the European Central Bank is telling us they're trying to get inflation to, they have a hell of a journey to get there, by the way, I think fixing for the long term is really good advice. I wouldn't be fixing for one, two, or five years. I'd be going yeah. probably minimum seven, not ten, to be truthfully told. Okay. And like I said, if I found that forever home, I would really be exploring twenty-year rates, which it. might be slightly higher than the five. It will be higher than the five-year or the ten-year rates. Yeah, yeah. But I think you're buying that in piece long, of mind in the and, long run, and that's okay. You can afford. It. That's yeah. okay. And then as well as that, when you buy a mortgage, you're buying a mortgage. That's yeah. what you're doing. You're buying a product. You're buying a mortgage. It's important to give yourself. If you do want to pay a little bit more for that peace of mind, that's completely okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we pay for worse things in life. Yeah. So yeah. there's no harm in paying for that security to know you're never going to get a bank increase for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to have a really good financial plan. You know, I have to earn X amount to keep a roof over my head and my number every month is X amount. I think that's okay for people. That's brilliant. Well done. Hope I explained that one okay. No, you did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you explained it to me who hasn't a breeze. So if I get it, I think anyone who's listening in will get it. But as I say, like, honestly, I, I would write this stuff down, which I I have literally be doing here while we're going through the podcast. But for if a you're driving, listen to this podcast, don't write. I maybe don't write that. Yeah. There. yeah, yeah. Just listen to it later on when you're in a safe space. Um, yeah. Speaking of driving, when I was driving in here, I saw your mush on the on the side of a bus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah in yeah. your new ad campaign. Yeah. Four mortgages. Yeah, the new ad campaign has gone down really well in January. Uh, we, you look great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Not that I was surprised. I record. Uh, listen, 
yeah, we did a TV campaign. We actually recorded a couple of years ago, um, or about 18 months ago. Uh, it was really enjoyable. We did an ad campaign last uh, January, February, March on Financial Plan that went really well. We thought we'd do this one on mortgages. We actually have two ads, Paul. Uh, oh, yeah. One went to TV. Uh, and we had one that got banned. Uh, oh, where I heard the, this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the TV commission wouldn't let it go through because we s- kind of slagged the banks for gambling with our money, which they didn't really like. Okay. So if you're going to see that, it's on YouTube and our social media channels. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the overall kind of message behind this is don't go so directly to a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, lollipop, yeah. So usually, remember years ago, you went to a bank and you got a free phone, free lollipop, you open a current account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or else if you go for a mortgage, you get, you know, two grand cash back and all these cash things. Back, yeah that are just ridiculous because you're paying for them in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the idea is that we kind of take the piss out of banks and say, you should never go into a bank or go to your own bank for mortgage advice. You should be going. I know I would say this because I am, you know, That's in financial It is yeah, your but, business, but yeah. in fairness, it makes sense. Why would you go to one bank that has one offer? when I think at the end of the essay where I can get so many more banks for you. Yeah. And that's the whole idea of As Paul is bring a lot of variety and a lot of kind of choice to people with really sound financial planning advice, which I just don't think you get in banks. So yeah, they're yeah. going to pop at the banks again here. But yeah, one of the ads got banned, uh, which we thought was funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought I should, I actually stepped into your shoes doing that campaign. Yeah, for you're very good. I did see the ad. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's good. Good, good, good. Didn't get uh, a shout for it, but whatever. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't afford you, but uh, Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> Uh, not a brilliant fair play and they're on the buses knocking around so yeah, yeah, yeah they're everywhere the yeah it's been a big campaign uh, which we're quite proud of uh, and it's good, good for especially our side of our, biz- our size of business uh, doing that type of stuff but yeah. uh, again we, we just really want to scream and shout as much as we can yeah. about the service um, and, and we, we're very proud of it yeah brilliant well done cheers buddy well that wraps it up um, for this episode of uh, Two Pauls in the Pod podcast it's a bit of a longer one um, than we anticipated but there's a lot of information we had to get through mm-hmm. and as we said look at the, the show notes um, we'll have a lot of information there for you including websites that Paul Merriman mentioned in this yeah. and the breakdown maybe the time what we discussed various things yeah. as well we might so do it up go back on it as well and listen yeah. into it yeah but I hope that was really it was very it was very helpful for me Paul to be honest with you like this is your free consultation isn't it? this, is, this has been the week, one for you perfect um, but the thing is like it, it's it's um it's really interesting and also it, it really eases my anxiety no joke to kind of go okay it's good. not as scary uh, as you say there's a lot of info there but it's just breaking it down into chunks and going okay what to do next and as you say go for it, the advice first well look I, I know you genuinely mean that when you say especially yeah. with the anxiety uh, we did do a poll on Instagram um, over the Christmas break or going into January asking people uh, a few people were saying they felt ang- anxious and I put a poll up and 80% of our followers think we got like oh, nearly 30 40,000 people replied mm-hmm. and 80% of them felt anxious about their money yeah. I thought that was shit uh, yeah, yeah. and that's what Ask Paul was actually fundamentally developed for was to yeah. help people with finance talk about money a bit more yeah. uh, so I hope this longer form content of the podcast is doing well for people and they like it Thanks for listening to the Two Pauls on a Pod podcast. If you've liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe to more episodes. We'd love to hear from our listeners. So if you have any financial questions or if you have feedback from the show, just go to askpaul.ie or check out Paul's Instagram account on Ask Paul.